Welcome to our short view series on corporate governance in emerging economies. My name is Tom Kirchmeier of Corporate Governance at LSE, and I have with me here Nimesh Kapani, who is chairing the Committee on Financial Markets for the Confederation of Indian Industry and is also chairman of JM Financial. Nimesh, everybody talks about corporate governance in emerging economies. That's a big issue. What are the big issues in India? I think uh, in India, you know, we have gone through a lot of ups and downs in the past. And uh, there were three committees which were formed by the various authorities, two by the Securities and Exchange Board of India, of Mr. Birla and Mr. Narayan Murthy. And later on, CII formed a committee of Adi Godrej with Ministry of Corporate Affairs. And uh, CII produced the first governance report way back in 1998. And thereafter, you know, the government now in 2013 Companies Act have amended and brought in a governance in a very elaborate manner. And Securities and Exchange Board of India has brought for the listed company on the stock exchanges, you know, as close 49 of the listing agreement. And they have brought in elaborate governance policies, you know, which is to be adopted by the corporate sector. So is everything all right, or what are the big issues we are facing? No, we have gone through a lot of uh, processes, and, uh, uh, and I think uh, the corporate sector was initially was very upset because you know, they were feeling that you know, they have been burdened with a lot of more uh, responsibility, and um, especially the independent directors of the company. Say now, now the, the governance structure now is that all the listed company in particular, you know, requires, you know, preferably a chairman and the CEO role to be different. And if the role is common, that means CEO and a chairman is common, then you need 50% of the total board as independent directors. And therefore, you know, the minority interest protection is the very important uh, measures which the SEBI prefers. And therefore, you know, the responsibility of the independent director has gone up many fold. Like, you know, now we have a remuneration committee, compensation and remuneration committee, the audit committee has been given a lot of tasks to perform, and which is statutorily defined in the Companies Act, you know, and uh, you require a stakeholders committee, and risk management committee. So, you know, they are, all these are formal now you know, under the Act or under the uh, Corporate uh, Governance Code of the SEBI. Also, you know, there are a lot of issues which uh, SEBI has now prescribed on the related party transactions. Mm -hmm. And uh, in some of the cases, the promoter group, which is also defined by the SEBI now, cannot participate in a general body meeting to vote. Mm -hmm. In a sense that if they are interested party themselves, you know, on those resolutions, only the minority shareholder has to vote. And this is especially true in case of a mergers, acquisitions, or any transactions with the promoter group companies by way of a loan or advances. And all those issues, you know, the, 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 the management promoter group cannot vote themselves. So this is actually a very strong minority protection mechanism really which is put yes, in place. Yes, absolutely. Is it working? It is because this is very new because 2013, first April, this code has come into the picture. So, you know, we are just two years old 
in, in all those things. And there is evaluation of our directors. Has to be taken place by the board, by the chairman, and every individual director has to be evaluated that what you know is performance in the board. So it is, it is, it is, uh, it is a good thing from the governance point of view. It will get evolved. It will take some time, but one credit I must give it to the government and the Securities and Exchange Board of India that they are very concerned about the minority shareholders. Mm -hmm. So this is very interesting. You, you talked about two issues here. The first one, the, the role of the board and the functioning of the board, and then uh, the protection of minorities. So I understand the protection of minorities is very important because you have a lot of dominant groups, family groups who supply a lot of capital, and then you have always this idea about related party transaction. Which brings me to the third topic, is about the role of the of the courts in this respect. You know, courts are very important in a UK, US environment. You have um, an act which can be enforced in court. How do, how do courts work here? No, you see, we have a different, different courts. You know, for example, you know, Session Court, and then it goes into the High Court, and then goes into Supreme Court. So only thing I must say about the courts in India is this that um, it's a lengthy process. Mm -hmm. Which makes it very expensive and probably not practical. Yeah, so many right. a times, yeah. you know, I feel that uh, justice delayed is justice denied. Yes, I, I would agree with you on that yeah. one. And, uh, and uh, we have seen cases, decisions comes after 10 years and 5 years and 20 years yeah. also. So, so what, the courts are very busy. Because there are too many cases, we are 125, you know, uh, billion people. One, one, you know, and and this makes lot of cases happening. Of course, but the, you know, clearly the courts are understaffed for what is required for them to do. So, which brings us back to the boards. You know, so if you can't enforce um, any issues in court, you hope that the board is picking up on it. And you said quite rightly. You did a lot of work in the various governance codes on improving the functioning of the board. Then the big question is, so what is happening in these boards? Are they really taking it serious, or is it just a box-ticking exercise? No, the liability of directors have gone up substantially high, you know, and because of this, the boards are taking this very seriously. So they're standing up for the rights of yes. their shareholders? Yes, they are standing up for rights for shareholders, they are demanding from management, they have been uh, insisting on certain procedures and process, mm -hmm. you know, to be to be beefed up and maintained. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I personally believe, you know, in the next ten years' time, it's excellent for India to do this, because this this will create a slowly self-regulations by the board and the companies, because you know there are whistleblower policy, you know, and there are there are you know policy by the by the options, stock options. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there are, there are various things which are, which are happening. So first five years is a period where you, know, you go through all this process and, and you have all the problems and all those kind of things. But you know, after that, you, know, you churn. Also, <coughs> SEBI has another good thing that you appoint independent director for a period of five years. Mm -hmm. And they can only have two terms. It's not that independent directors can continue for 20 years and 30 years. Like in India, mm 
you know. Uh, I have been a director of a company for maybe last 20 years. And if I want to also go from the board, the management doesn't want me to go. Or you're the, or the, or the promoter doesn't want to ecosystem go. ecosystem now, but so, it's good in a way that So the point out. I was yeah. making is this, that <coughs> there's always a possibility of a, of a change after 10, 10 years. Even the auditor's appointment cannot be for more than two terms, for five years. So, you know, there is also change in the auditor. Responsibility the auditor has gone up substantially, you know, under the, under the governance code. I think it's fair to say, listening to you, that the standard you have in India is almost the same, if not superseding the standard in the US or the UK in terms of governance. I think, I think we yeah. have taken from there a lot of yeah. things. Yeah. You know, and I think we have made it more tougher because now this code is also applicable to private companies, which are many times the family-owned companies. So this is interesting. So even if you're not listed on the on the stock exchange, you're still subject to these rules. Is it? Yes, you know, you yeah. require independent directors yeah. in a privately family-owned companies. Yeah. You know, is there a certain limit, size threshold? I assume you know above certain. It's about of, about ten crores of rupees, yeah. which is about say two million dollars net worth of the company and uh, you know the Reserve Bank of India <clears throat> has also put a substantial rule on all non-banking finance companies which are you know uh, which you have to report every month to the to the Reserve Bank of India so I think this structure is happening but I would like to take you to another point this all we talked about private sector we need to talk about public sector because in a public sector also, the government in most of the companies are majority shareholders. So you mean state-owned enterprises? State-owned enterprises. Yeah. And I think reforms there are required. In a sense that, you know, I think this government, you know, has started this. For example, our state-owned banks, they always were internal appointment of the chairman and the managing director. The first thing this uh, Mr. Modi's government has done is to now make chairman separate, CEO separate in the banking sector. They have invited the <coughs> public sector banks to have the CEO from the private sector. So that process is just now going on and the government is thinking about appointing the best available person to run those banks. Do you think they will privatize them soon? Or? I don't think <clears throat> there is intention to privatize at the moment, you know, but uh, they are encouraging them to raise capital till the government remains at 51% holding. So they are allowing them to dilute, like State Bank of India is going to raise you know, substantial money, you know, through the either public issue or or uh, QIP issues, you know, from the public. And uh, this is the largest public sector bank of India. But the point I'm making is this, that if this governance applicable to all the public sector undertaking, you know, and the governance standard are improved, then the efficiency of those companies also will substantially improve, you know. I, I fully agree with you, yeah. because this is what, why we're doing it, this is why we're talking about it, is on the one hand to improve efficiency of the firms, but also to protect um, shareholders, so yeah. they're willing to lend. 
which leads me to, to, to another question. Now, you're, you're a capital markets professional. Do you see actually an impact on the ground in terms of cost of capital for firms? What we need in India is to build a lot of infrastructure. And for that, we need a lot of capital. Um, historically, if you really look at between India and China, India has liberalized capital market much faster than China. After the liberalization process started in 91, 92, there onwards, you know, the simple rules are made for FII, foreign institutional investor, to invest in India. And then they can repatriate the capital. So it is a partly capital account convertibility has taken place for outside institutional investor. Now this has been extended to any foreigners. There is foreign portfolio investment. That means you can invest up to 5% of equity in any listed company in India by a simple process of opening a brokerage account you know, and trade on the Indian stock exchanges and repartiate your money mm -hmm. you know, whenever you want to do that. There are no restrictions on repartiation. So this is the process you know, which is substantial liberalization compared to you know, the other countries in the world. And today, the best of the banks in India, for example, ICICI Bank or HDFC, Housing Development Finance Corporation, is about 74% owned by the foreign institutional investors. And there's a widespread shareholding pattern which is developing. But each one is not allowed to hold more than 5%, is it? 10%. 10% in this Yes, yes. yes. So, Coming back to my initial question on, do you see actually an impact on cost of capital? Oh yes, you know, because, uh, you know, basically, if you really look at, let me go back a little history, that <clears throat> the tech company, IT companies, like Infosys, and uh, Tata Consultancy Services, TCS, Wipro, when they came into the market, and where the governance systems was very, well done up by their boards, mm -hmm. like Mr. Azim Premji or Mr. Tata or Mr. Narayan Murthy helped doing this at that point of time, you got a better valuation of those companies, which means whenever you are raising more money, your cost of capital is lower and lower and lower on that basis. And therefore, one thing which industrialists and a public noticed in India is that if you have better governance, you know, your shareholders' value goes up. And your rating goes up. And when your rating goes up, your capacity to borrow or to raise equity and the cost of capital, weighted average cost of capital also comes down. I agree with you. Nimesh, many thanks for spending time with us today and having this very interesting conversation. And many thanks to you, our viewers, for watching our short view on corporate governance in emerging economies.